0: This is a Federal News Network podcast. Since 2019, Congress and the Defense Department have heard about mice, mold, lead paint and other issues like that in privatized military housing. Yet military families are still battling for tenant rights and better housing conditions. Congress created the Tenants Bill of Rights, but some advocates say the implementation has fallen flat. Federal News Network Scott Massioni discussed ongoing issues in military housing with the Armed Forces Housing Advocates co founder, Sarah Klein. Well, when we started 2021, we were still waiting on the Tenant Bill of Rights to have all of its rights implemented. There were actually three that were left off. So, right prior to 2021, we had had a hearing. And during that hearing, the Military Construction Committee really just reamed the DOD and the companies and said, hey, why have we not implemented the Tenant Bill of Rights? Well, COVID hit, we kind of all had to focus on other things. And then in June, we got the last remaining rights. Um, since then, um, one of the big ones was families trying to seek dispute resolution. So we wanted to see exactly how that would be implemented. And unfortunately, the number of families attempting to seek that dispute resolution and the ones that actually end up making it through that process are vastly different. Those metrics are completely different. Um, AFA has had families request dispute resolution, but instead they are sent away with a list of attorneys from their installation legal office when really they wanted to go through that process so even though we had that occur in the summer of 2021 presently we're still not seeing families be able to use the dispute process as it was intended by the legislation
1: and have you been in contact with uh, you know the Defense Department, these companies? What kind of feedback are you getting, and what are military families feeling at this point with it comes to trying to exercise these rights that they are given by Congress?
0: Most of our contact really comes between the congressional offices and our families. We've had conversations with the dd Um, lower and higher levels, lower level garrison, installation, and wing commanders typically don't want to work with us. Um, You'll see there is a provision in the NDAA to where their performance evaluations are going to include the progress that they've made in military housing. And when we're telling the residents to file the dispute process, that's really messing up their performance metrics. They don't necessarily want to hear from us. Um, We've had great feedback from congressional offices. I mean, this is really a bipartisan approach, and Republicans and Democrats, um, their staff on either side of the aisle is raring to go and willing to work with us and asking us for ideas, so we've been really successful there. As far as the companies, we've never been successful in having those conversations. Um, If it's an immediate danger kind of need that only the company will be able to work out, sometimes we can facilitate those. But overarching, communicating with the companies hasn't been successful, and we try to do that the least amount that we possibly can, and at the lowest level, typically.
1: When it comes to military housing, just a bit of a a recap. The privatization uh, issue has been really going on in the public eye since 2018-2019, where we saw mice, mold, lead paint, and other sorts of issues in military housing. Those were just when the allegations and and reports started coming out. However, this issue has been going on for quite some time. Uh, Can you give us an idea of what's happening now in 2021 and 2022? What are military families still experiencing within their houses compared to that time a couple years ago?
0: We still have all of those same issues that were present in 2019 we're starting to really understand and really educate the military spouses and military families to look for other things that they may not have thought about radon asbestos pesticides um, things like that Um, we've really got a great group of military spouses across the country and military service members that have really gone and are kind of second-guessing and looking at their house and saying, wow, I never knew that I needed to know what asbestos tiles look like, that I know what they look like now. Or I never knew that I needed to look in my leaf and see if it says don't touch the soil um, from the edge of the drip line because it may have chloridane and pesticides in it. So we're seeing more of that. Um, We're also still seeing just the water leaks, the roof leaks, the infiltration on the windows um, from shoddy construction, uh, that's one of the things that has become more apparent. When this first started happening, we had a lot of people say, well, they're historic homes, they're going to have issues. And we were saying, no, they are They are not all historic homes. Some of these were actually built by the MHPI companies. So now we're seeing even those homes that were built post-2000 by these companies are starting to have some of the same problems and aren't aging well.
1: Like you said before, when it comes to, you know, finding pests in their house, when it comes to mold, lead, military families are still dealing with these issues. You know, it didn't just go away when it, it was brought to Congress, right?
0: No, it hasn't gone away. And in some instances, it's gotten worse or became long term. Um, We still have families that discover these problems, have even had remediation completed by what the housing company may say, and what the installation or garrison or wing says that's okay, and then mold comes back, or then the roaches come back. So even the work that has been done on a lot of these homes that have, the money's come out of the reinvestment accounts, and essentially it's just been a waste of money because there's no real oversight to really make sure that they're doing the remediation efforts appropriately. In the
1: 2019, 2020, and even the 2021 and 2022 NDAAs, we saw uh, provisions to help with military housing, adding staff, adding funds. What things have you changed when it comes to military housing, and what things are you still hoping to see happen?
0: Well, one of the biggest things that we've seen is we've seen the military houses or the military housing offices on the installation that are run by the government, those typically where you would have two employees in 2019, some of those have greater than six. So they've done a great job of getting warm bodies in seats. Um, There's still a process to train them. They're still learning. Uh, So that's been a little difficult. And then also they're kind of, hiring people that you wouldn't normally think you would want to hire instead of hiring the engineers or the vertical engineers or people with HVAC experience. At one point I saw on some CPAC postings that they were hiring individuals with MHPI experience. So we actually had employees from the housing companies seeing all these great new jobs being posted on USA jobs and then jumping ship to the other side. And in some instances, working at the payment solution where they had been giving residents trouble. So that's kind of a double-edged sword.
1: So we've seen Balfour Beatty uh, communities uh, be held accountable in terms of having to pay restitution and criminal fines after pleading guilty to defrauding the military. Where does your organization stand on that, and what more is going on in the future of this issue?
0: Really, we think the finding is really only a drop in the bucket. It isn't enough, and the contract should be universally canceled instead of BBC being put on probation. Um, The state of military housing continues to be a systemic issue across the nation um, with BBC-owned contracts and others. And The MHPI program remains without enough oversight to properly prevent these military-privatized housing companies from abusing their tenants. $65 million does not undo the damage already done to the families that have suffered um, health effects and loss of household good and really just pure misery when living in these homes. Sarah Klein, co-founder of Armed Forces Housing Advocates, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA.